Hello and welcome to System Mastery, the podcast of Arcane RPG Review, where each week we beat a dead horse 1d6 damage at a time. I'm Jeff, and as always, my co-host John is here with me. And folks, it's just been a busy, busy holiday season for System Mastery. We're pleased to head into 2016 doing what we love the most, though, reviewing terrible old role-playing games. Except something appears to have gone wrong. Perhaps we're in a strange new universe, and time is all backwards, and coin flips are different or something, because we liked this game. Stay tuned for System Mastery, where the hits keep coming and they don't stop 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 coming. And they don't stop coming 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 and they don't Huh. It stopped coming. Oh, that's weird. I know. I thought they don't stop coming. Yeah, that is not as advertised. Not at all. <laughs> all right, so uh, this is System Mastery. How you doing, John? I'm so good. I'd like to start this podcast with an apology to everyone who had to listen to that. Yeah, sorry you had to listen to Smash Mouth. That was that was my bad. <laughs> I shouldn't have done that. And we're starting the new year off on a real low note there. <laughs> but we're trite, we're apologetic, and the only thing we can do now is look to improve in the future. Yeah, just... Please forgive us as we move on past this incident. It's all about going forward and not backward. From this day forward, I promise that we are going to strive to be a better podcast. In fact, we're going to be the best. The best. The, the best. best. <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Lordy. John, what did we review this week? Or what will we review this week? <laughs> yeah, we've already reviewed it. Now it's just down to the podcasting. <laughs> Uh, so this week we had Gamma World in the 7th edition? The most recent version of Gamma World, that's correct, yeah. The one that was more or less based on the 4th edition D&D rules. And is technically out of print because no one cares. They haven't made one updated for like 5th edition rules yet, as far as I know. It went out of print very quickly, actually. It was in print for a very short time. Uh, all three, or there's two expansions for it, and then they just cut it and ran because it maybe didn't sell very well. I, I don't know. It's uh, it's odd that I don't know when this came out in the fourth edition timeline of releases, but I think it they had this thing during that edition where they would put something out and then immediately not care about it anymore. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. And it, yeah, I also don't know because we didn't do any research on the exact timelines of when things came out. But I feel like this came out before D and D Essentials. Maybe that. That seems like it's probably accurate. Yeah. I think I remember seeing that before Essentials was out. So so basically, this game is sold as three separate box sets. You can't just buy Gamma World books. You have to buy the box set of Gamma World and then one or, one or two of the expansion packs, which are called Famine at Fargo or Legion of Gold. Yes. And uh, basically, the premise of this game and the premise of all the Gamma Worlds has been it's an irradiated post-apocalyptic nu- nuclear wasteland and you play as crazy survivors. And you've gotten increasingly crazy in each edition of the game. In the beginning, it was, oh, you play as soldiers or scavengers living in a wasteland, kind of like Mad Max, and there's giant irradiated beetles and death robots. Well, you saw that a lot with basically anything that wasn't Rifts that was post-apocalyptic was very like, oh, it's like a dirty apocalypse of just, there's some weird mutated animals and you got to fight them, or maybe you are one, but mostly it's just... Humans living hard scrabble lives in the post-apocalypse. It's people who base their 80s and 90s, and I know this game's from the 2000s, but because th- this game's a lot different. I'm talking about before Gamma World 7th Edition. 
a lot of post-apocalypses were based on people who had seen 70 sci-fi movies about them. You know, like a boy and his dog. Yeah, which were all just, oh, what is the apocalypse about in these old movies? Well, mostly just a guy wandering a wasteland, mostly getting into trouble, occasionally there are mutants, but... Mostly he just meets societies that have descended into sort of artful cannibalism. Yeah, it's just... It's just a commentary on the rich. It's just take a, uh, some aspect of some society and go, alright, let's, uh, clown this up and make it as weird and caricature as possible, and that's what it'll be. Yeah, you're Zardozes. Yeah. That so sort we just, of thing. We took some random crap and made it super weird, and that's what a lot of the post-apocalypse was for early stuff, which is why... A lot of the RPGs that were that were much more, oh yeah, you just, you're a guy with a gun and you're trying to survive. What kind of Scrabble would you say it is? Would you say it's easy Scrabble? Mm, it's that seven letter Scrabble. It's that triple word score Scrabble. <laughs> that hard Scrabble. You get that hard Scrabble. Sometimes you get in there and you gotta give them the hard Scrabble. The hard Scrabble. I'm just trying to picture what easy Scrabble is. Easy Scrabble is that Scrabble Junior where it's all just baby letters for idiots. Man, I would kick someone's ass at easy Scrabble. Oh, yeah, man. You get in there and you start playing Scrabble Junior and they're like, I spelled dog. And you're like, bitch, I spelled shoelace. Get out. <laughs> And they're going to be like, you had to use all seven of your letters plus the O in dog to do that. <laughs> What's up? Yeah, 50 point bonus. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, this is very, very different. This is a radical departure from the sort of bleak, uh, you have to count how many days of food you have, your gun has one bullet uh, era of, of uh, post-apocalypse sci-fi because it's goofy. Oh, yeah. This, they game, went- is, this game is a joke. The actual background for what happened with Gamma World is we had discussed in the previous Afterthought our favorite campaign settings, and I kind of wish I had read this last time because I fucking love it. Oh, I was, it was on the tip of my tongue the whole time we were having a discussion, but I was like, I know this is coming up, I don't want to mention it because it's going to be like literally the next thing we do. But this is, Gamma Terra is one of my favorite campaign settings by a mile. And it, it plays into one of the things I had mentioned during the Afterthought, which is, I love the idea of weird alternate realities and, like, dimensions and shit like that. And so instead of a post-apocalypse that your normal thing is usually a nuclear exchange of some kind. Yeah. Or some weird scarcity. So, like, with the Mad Max whole, like, uh, oil scarcity and then water wars and all that shit. But this is just, like, the Large Hadron Collider gets turned on and it makes it so that all realities collapse in on themselves. Yes, and become one reality with chunks of all of the other ones making it up. Yeah, so you have things like, oh yeah, uh, some of the tech you'll find is from like the Ishtar Corporation. And that's a corporation that existed on a shitload of different versions of Earth. Yeah. So there's a bunch of that in there. And uh, it makes it so that... Like, oh, well, why is there whatever thing that exists in Gamma Terra? Oh, because on some world, in some different dimension, that existed on Earth. The best thing about this, and let's go ahead and say that that's not all that dissimilar from the Rift storyline, except that it all happened at once instead of happening slowly over time as, like, holes open up. Yeah, it's less about things are walking in and more like everything got slammed together at once and now you're trying to deal with it. So here's the thing I love about this campaign setting as a concept, is since it all happened at once and it happened to everyone equally in the same measure, 
there isn't a normal guy you have to play. Because normally your, your games are like, oh, you're playing in the crazy apocalypse future, and there's alternate dimensions, and people from different times, and dinosaurs. What do you play as? Oh, humans who are trying to process all of this. Huh. That's what you are. You're, you're playing the normal guy who's like, what? What is this? The whole time. Instead, in this, you're like, oh no, uh, everyone here is exactly as weirded out as you are, so you have to get with the program. Yeah, if you're a regular human, you're weird. Yeah, you're very rare. Uh, so... That that should boil us or bring us over to uh, how you build characters in this game, which is one of the coolest things. Yeah, it's the probably one of the easiest ways to build a character in any like D and D or D and D clone type game. Uh, Gamma World has a bunch of different, basically races slash classes because they're all just the same thing. Mm-hmm. So you have a chart with twenty of them. And you roll a d20 twice and take both of them. The first one you get is your primary, second one is your secondary, so, and that's going to determine what you are. But it's not shit like, you're a human, you are an orc, you are a fighter. Oh no, it's a bunch of weird crap. And the, what's especially fun about the fact that it's weird crap is that you get two of them and then you combine them to form what you are. So just to give you a quick rundown of these, I'm going to start listing them off. And I guess we, you know, this is going to take up most of the podcast anyway, so we can discuss these as we go through. Uh, first one is Android. Yep. So it's just robot guy. Robot guy. And, uh, and again, to give you a, a breakdown of how these work, because they're very simple, it's just like 4th edition D&D in terms of math. You add your level, instead of half your level, you add your level to all the rolls you make all the way through the game. You only go as high as level 10. Yeah, well, this game is very upfront about the fact that they're like, oh, you'll probably die, but don't worry about it. It doesn't matter, because you can just roll up a new character in, like, a minute. Yeah. So okay, an android. Uh, you have your you you are a uh, mutant, of course, because everyone is a mutant. It doesn't matter that you're a robot. Don't worry about it. You're an android mutant. All right. Your mutant type is intelligence. What does that mean? If it is your primary trait, your primary uh, race is android, then it means you get an 18 in intelligence. If it is your secondary, then you get a 16 in intelligence. If both your primary and your secondary are intelligence, you have a 20. And all of your other stats that aren't informed by either your primary or secondary class is rolled 3d6, but it doesn't matter, because you aren't going to use it for basically anything. You'll, yeah, you'll, they'll occasionally come up, and it'll be funny if your character has a 4 charisma, and you can you can make fun of yourself for it, but it, it won't matter if you're a charisma-powered class, because you won't have a crappy stat there. Yeah. So, it's mostly the other 4 stats, or, or 5 stats, if you happen to get double strength or whatever, are flavor, and they end up just being a fun, flavorous thing. And even then, there's still stuff you could do. So... Uh, like, say your saves or your hit points with constitution or whatever, uh, you might have to roll and you might be low or high. But again, whatever you do, the powers that you have based on your class are going to all be one type of roll. So no matter what, you'll be at least competent at whatever you rolled. Yeah, so basic competency is boiled into the game, along with the chance to have funny low stats, just like uh, people always love when they talk about what they like about old versions of Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah, everyone's always like, oh, I had a dwarf fighter, and he had a three charisma, and he just smelled like farts and kept farting, and then he'd poop on a guy, and then he said, oi, vey, because he's Jewish I now. I pooped on a fart, he said. Yeah, I mean... That's that's this whole thing that people are like, oh, the best thing about old D&D was you could roll shit stats. Like, one time my character had a three wisdom, so I played him as a retarded person. No, don't do that. No, don't, never it, do it, that. No one has ever laughed at one of those stories. No, it's always like, 
Oh man, my guy had three strength and I made the cleric wheel me around in a wheelbarrow. Okay, that's dumb. Why would they take you adventuring? That's the thing that comes up over and over again. Is this, uh... This whole thing where it's like, oh, I made a character with a stat so low that I had to play him as a big old doofus. And it, well, why would that person go on adventures? Yeah, that person would not. They they would not do that. So the person with the intelligence of three, who is dumber than a dog, is like, <laughs> okay, well, you didn't go out. You couldn't figure out how to open your door and leave your house. So I'm sorry. Yeah. So I always like base baseline competency as part of the baked in characteristics of an adventuring game. Anyway. Android has a, a mutant type of intelligence and dark. Intelligence is the stat. Dark is the power source that you're, you're most comfortable with. Yeah, so that's the other thing is uh, your types will tell you the stat you're good at, and then there are three power types. Yeah, dark. Uh, so dark is bio. just dark energy. Yeah. Uh, bio is more like mutant energy, whether you're a uh, like a cockroach or whatever, which we'll get into. And then psi. And then psi if you're psionic, so you're... I'm like a telepath, or I'm a pyrokinetic, or whatever, you're using psychic power. So those are the only three things you really need to worry about for uh, power type. Yeah. Uh, that also gives you a plus two to dark overcharge. Let's talk about overcharge later and all, all the stuff that that interacts with. Next thing it gives you is a couple things that says level one, because you get these at level one. One of them is a plus four bonus to science checks. This game has about 12 total skills. They are, no, even less than that. It's like, it's like it, 10. Yeah. and Maybe they all, 9. And they're all fine and they all make sense. It's like science and athletics and mechanics and stuff like that that you'd actually need. Yeah. Well, they don't break anything down, which is the best. So it's like, science. Oh, do I need a different role for botany or for chemistry? Or for, no. Fuck no, it. Science. It's science. You're a scientist. You live in the post-apocalypse and you have a squid for a face. <laughs> Get over it. No one cares. Yeah. So uh, he gets plus four to science checks and a plus two bonus to fortitude rolls. Because, again, this uses fourth edition for, like, uh, fortitude, AC, uh, will, and reflex are all of your various defenses. Your saves have been boiled into just defenses. Yep. Yep. Uh, okay, you also get machine-powered at level one, which is a flavor text for the android. You do not need to eat, drink, or breathe. Yay. That's nice and simple. Yeah. Now, both of your uh, your races or classes slash whatever you get are going to have these things. So you're going to figure out what your primary and secondary stat are. You're going to get a few bonuses to generally your saves in some way. Or in some skills, yeah. Or a skill or whatever. And then some special effect as well at level 1. Now you get all of those level 1 things for both of your races. Yes, and you also get both of your level 1 at-will powers, which are called novice powers in this game. Yeah, so you get your level 1 powers that you get uh, for just... Being whatever that is, and then you get your uh, uh, various other effects like your utilities and your dailies and all of these things that you see in 4th edition, which we should probably just go over in case people don't know. Oh, uh, how 4th edition works? Yeah. Alright, 4th edition's power system is basically, it's called, a, a, a people call it AWU or something like that, which stands for At Will Utility Encounter Daily. So it's like AWUED. And, Whatever. And it, it, at will powers are the powers you get at the start of the game. Most characters have two, but you can have as many as four if you're playing like a human druid or something. And, uh, they are powers that you can use whenever you want. Any, any time it's your turn, you can use your at will powers. They do not run out. Now, you have three things you can do during your turn. You get a standard action, which is stuff like make an attack, mm -hmm. uh, or any of the more complicated things will take a standard action. You get yeah. a move action. You will have a speed. That's how many squares you can move. Yep. Uh, then you have a minor action, which will be just, again, minor things like 
oh, I uh, ready a weapon, a, ready yeah. a weapon or do uh, like drink a potion, stuff like that. Now, now, you can trade down, so a standard action can be traded for a move or a minor. A move can be traded for a minor, but you can't trade up. Right. And, uh, you know, one of the common complaints, and it's a legitimate complaint to make about 4th edition, is that minor actions very rapidly became one of the more important parts of the game's economy. Because if you didn't do something with your minor action every turn, you were wasting a potential action. So there was a big problem in 4th edition where you tried to build your character around getting as many minor action actions as possible so that your character was constantly doing two things every turn instead of one. And the game... Well, it's the same thing with move action powers. Yes. Of, I use this power as a move action because you go, otherwise, if I'm already next to a guy and I don't need to move, there's an entire action I'm not using. Yeah. So that was a problem. It, It still potentially exists in this game, although without access to feats, at least not in this book. Feats come out in a later expansion for this game. Yeah, so there's there's no feats to worry about. There's really no uh like lists of things to choose from. Yeah. You just unlock the ones for your classes and then occasionally get more, but that's not a thing you actually get to pick. Right. And then oh, to speak of the rest of the powers though, you have your at wills, you have encounters, they can be used once an encounter, you have dailies, they can be used once a day. This game does not have dailies, it only has encounters. Yeah. There are no dailies in here because daily honestly is not all that great of a mechanic. Well, no. Their their daily is mostly just one-use items or one-use powers that you get that instead of it being, oh, you use it once a day, it's you'll use it once and then it goes away, but it doesn't matter because you'll replace it with some other one-use thing. Yeah, we'll get to the, the that, that, like I said, we'll get to that mechanic in a bit because it's one of the more innovative parts of this game and it's going to need its own huge crunchy section. Uh, so, basically... There's a little level-up chart, so when you roll to... God, we're doing this all wrong. All right, here they go. Android. Cockroach. Yeah, and cockroach does not mean you have to actually be a literal cockroach. It's just sort of a bug. A big bug. A big human-sized bug. So, uh, and if you're an android cockroach, that means you're a big robot bug. Or a big bug robot. Whatever it is. You, you decide the way that these two classes interact to generate one character. Uh, the next one is Doppelganger, which is John's favorite. Okay, so normally I hate... Anything that's like a shapeshifter or whatever, because there's always that one guy or girl in your group that picks shapeshifter because they're like, oh, I'm going to pretend to be fucking whatever, and then I'm going to steal all their stuff, or I'm going to pretend to be their wife, and then I'm going to have sex with them and be like, aha, you had sex with me instead, like... Just the worst people are drawn to being shapeshifters. Yeah, because the power is usually too nebulously written in most games. If you're, it's like, your character can assume the form of any other player. You're like, oh, crap, this is going to be a problem. Yeah, because that the person who's like, oh, I need to be that, is the type of guy who's like, all right, well, I turn into Jerry's character, and I go to the blacksmith, and I steal all of his stuff, and then I leave. Guess you better watch out, Jerry. I'm like, oh, fuck you, Bill. You are a piece of shit. Yeah, no, it's just not fun. But thankfully, this game's doppelganger is not the doppelganger of D&D Legend. No, this doppelganger is playing off of uh, Gamma World's specific background, which I loved, because the whole point is you're pulling various versions of you from different timelines and dimensions into the world, and so you'll have powers that are things like, Oh, you actually occupy two different squares at the same time. Mm -hmm. So you can threaten both of them and use powers from both of them. And when the power ends after the end of one turn, you can decide to exist in the other square instead of the one you started in. So it can be 
like a little minor teleport as well. Right. So they're basically they get a they get like we said they get an at will power. And when you're a level one character in Gamma World, you have the at will powers from both of the two uh, classes or class race things that you select. So for them, theirs is called Double Trouble, and it's uh, an, an at will with the dark uh, type because these guys are dark powered. It's a standard action. You create a duplicate of yourself in an unoccupied square within five squares of you. The duplicate acts in the initiative order directly after you and can take all the actions that you can take, except that it can't use doppelganger powers to stop you from just doing it forever. Alpha mutations are a mega tech. Those are the card mechanics. We're still coming up on those. Its statistics are the same as yours, except that it only has one hit point. Your duplicate disappears when it drops to zero hit points or at the end of your next turn. So basically, as your power, you can generate a guy who will use one of your other powers next turn. Yeah, so essentially you're giving up your standard action, your attack, this turn, to do two things next turn. Yeah, and thankfully, since he goes right after you in the initiative order, that means he actually does goes twice, because he goes right after you do. Oh no, he goes right after you do on the same turn as you. So really all this mechanic does is enable you to have two squares occupied and hit targets you would have been able to see. Well yeah, it's, it's mostly just, I'm going to give up... Uh, my action so that I can get double actions next turn. No, it doesn't work that way. It, no, because it goes away at the end of your next turn, right? Right, and then his his order, his uh, initiative order would be right after your next turn. Oh, I thought it was so, wait until next turn, then he goes. No, it's it, you. You create him. He immediately does something cool. He stays on the field, and then he disappears at the end of your next turn. Yeah, which still has a function to it because it has two squares of occupation. You've got two squares of line of sight. You can use him to shoot him out five squares ahead and see around a corner. Yeah. There's all kinds of fun tricks you can do with it. He also has a utility, which is uh, where you, his utility is you summon a duplicate and then replace the duplicates, uh, in, and then you just are the duplicate moving around. Instead of that, you switch places with one of your alternate duplicates and play that one from this point forward. Yeah, you just, it's, like I said, it's like a teleport, but instead, the the actual in-game thing is, oh, you pulled a guy from another dimension, except... By doing so, you have shunted yourself into another dimension, and now you're running around as one of your weird duplicates. Which means, you know, fluff-wise, it just says, just you. it's a teleport. Or, rules-wise, it's a teleport. Fluff-wise, you could accidentally pull in Pirate You and just run around as Pirate You from now on. Yeah, the person playing the doppelganger is just like, oh, I got bored of whatever personality I gave to myself. I use this utility power and come up with a different version of me. It's kind of Deadpool-y at that point. <laughs> And then the last one is literally a burst three of surround everything in a burst three with more duplicates of yourself. Yeah, it's just a bunch of you. Just a bunch of you all over the place, and it becomes difficult terrain for your opponents. Yeah, so you get a weird dimensional multiple man. Yeah. And then electrokinetic, and again, these guys are just sort of energy batteries. They have the dark power set again. Yeah, no, it's just you're an electrokinesis guy, so you zap people. Right, and then... Uh, What's the best thing about this game is that you get to combine that with another one of these to come up with a crazy power. You're like, oh, I'm an electric robot, which, not that interesting, but, oh, I'm an electric cockroach. <laughs> no, the the big thing about this is I am super looking forward to our bonus content for this game because the biggest thing for me in this game is creating characters. Yeah. Because when you roll two different weird things, and you're like, oh, what did you get? Uh, seismic, so I'm a weird rock giant guy. And I got Felinoid, so I'm also a cat. Alright, I need to make a giant cat rock guy. <laughs> uh, okay, so you're in Kiss? <laughs> yes. I make Peter Chris. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Empath, Felinoid, Giant, Gravity Controller, Hawkoid, which is the bird people, Hypercognitive, Mind Breaker, 
and mind coercive. Mind taker! <laughs> That's mind taking! We don't beg, we don't borrow minds, we take them! No, okay. Mr. Birdbath. <laughs> Plant, pyrokinetic, radioactive, rat swarm. And let me tell you, rat swarm is my favorite. Rat swarm's one of the best classes that's ever been in a game. You play as a swarm of tiny things. Yeah, so you don't have to be literal rats. Like, if you get android and rat swarm, you can just be like a gray goo apocalypse that is a person. Or or a self-contained swarm of tiny buzzing robots like from Batteries Included. Yeah. Batteries not, not included. included. I'm talking about the the sequel, the well, the little known sequel. Batteries included, <laughs> where the robots are fine and they just have a good day. Batteries finally included. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh. that's that's a great one. And then a, a woman gets pregnant or something. I haven't seen that movie in a while. I feel like the tiny alien robots help deliver a baby. Is that? That's- that's a weird thing for you to think. Is that wrong? Does that not happen? I don't in the know movie? if it's wrong because I don't think I've ever actually watched the whole thing. <laughs> I know what the robot looks like, which is basically just like a pancake with two pincers. Yeah, it's a tiny UFO. Yeah, it's just a little uh, saucer with two arms, and it's got little pincer things on the end, and that's about it. Okay, so if I ever get Android and Rat Swarm at the same time, it's going to be a floating cloud of those Transformer toys that you get at McDonald's Happy Meals. So little tiny robots that can turn into fries. <laughs> Just turn into fries and a Big Mac and a thing of pancakes. Yep. Great. Th- those things. Remember those? Those were great. Oh, I still have one of those. Nice. I think I still have the breakfast one. Nice. Okay, and then Seismic, which is a, a, a creature made of earth and stone. Speedster, Telekinetic, and Yeti. And Yeti, you don't have to be an actual, like, for reals Bigfoot Sasquatch. It's mostly just a, you're a giant furry guy with claws. So if you got something that was like, oh, I'm a Yeti and a Pyrokinetic, you could be an on-fire bear if you wanted to. (laughs) I like the idea that the bear's power is not to be on fire. It's just a bear that's on fire. It's just a bear that's on fire that is accidentally setting things on fire. That's your power set. You're just running around trying to to put yourself... (laughs) Fire! (laughs) There you go, the game where you can play a bear that's on fire. Yeah. And it's a good thing. No, man, you just, uh, you get Yeti, and then you get Yeti again, so you can be a modified human. Okay, so let's talk about this. There, You'll notice when we read all 20 of those, none of them were humans, specifically. Some of them sound like they would be okay as humans, like Mind Breaker, Mind Coercer, Hypercognitive. Yeah, if you're like a, I'm an empath, Yeah, right? you're like, alright, so you're a psychic, that's just a human. But no, it's just another kind of mutant from a, from a dimension where everyone is that. And if you are a human in this game, then you're an engineered human, and the only way you can accomplish this is to roll the same number... On both of your initial D20 rolls. Yeah, so if I'm rolling and I get Hawkoid twice, instead of being like, oh, I'm like part Hawk and part uh, Cat or whatever I would have rolled, yeah. I go, okay, I got the same thing twice. So my main is now Engineered Human, and then my secondary is Hawkoid. And you, all of your Hawk powers inform human stuff you can do. So you essentially become Falcon. Yeah, you're a human with, like, a jetpack or something, because engineered humans, their look dominates. So they look like humans, and no matter what their weird power is, they look like humans. If you're a swarm of tiny things and you're a hum- engineered human, then you're a human who can split into a swarm when he needs to, or become a cloud. Well, it's it's just, okay, well, what are the powers that a swarm has? Oh, you can, like, uh, you move faster, you can slide as a power... Because you all dissipate and then reform somewhere. Yeah, shift the like, number of oh, squares, yeah. Instead of doing that, I have a personal teleportation machine that lets me do that. I'm Dracula, and so I just turn into bats. 
Except, no, because you're engineered human, so you're a regular human. That's true. So you can't really do cool stuff like... Oh, you just only, no, all of your yeah. stuff is tech-based, essentially, yes. if you're an engineered human. Yeah, engineered human is a really rare option. Uh, it doesn't come up very often unless you're playing in the crazy world where you let people pick what they start as. Yeah. And I can't imagine why you would do that. No, because the whole joy of this is rolling two things and then racking your brain to come up with the character. Yeah. And the basic power set of the engineered human, because, again, it becomes your primary... Uh, and they have, like, warlord powers from 4th edition D&D. All of their things are like, you, take an extra attack. You, do the thing I say, and you'll get plus two on it. So they're kind of, like, leader types. Well, yeah, because they're super rare, and they usually came from, like, a survivor colony of humans that are not mutants yet. Yeah. Which are very rare in Gamma Terra. Yeah. So, okay, now... You have a full set of three powers and a bunch of bonuses, including something that happens when you crit for uh, for every one of these 20 classes. So, for example, an android critical is when you score a critical hit, the attack deals 1d10 extra damage, and the target grants combat advantage to you until the end of the encounter. That happens whenever you crit, if you're an android, starting at level 2, if android is your primary. If android is your secondary, you get that at level 6, and you get the other primary one at level 2. So you end up with two cool critical effects happening by the time you're level 6. Uh, you also unlock the utility and encounter powers at slightly slower rates if you're playing at, or for whatever your secondary is. So, for example, at, uh, at second level, you get your critical hit benefit. At third level, you get the utility power for your origin, your, like your basic, your primary class. You won't get the other utility until, uh, looks like seventh level. Yeah. Which, uh, unless you are really good at keeping yourself alive, or your DM just doesn't feel like trying to blow you up, the f- chances of you hitting higher than, like, level 5 is not particularly great with any one given character. Well, I-, I feel like this isn't a game where when you die, you're done, and you have to start a level 1 character. You're just the next guy they pick up in town. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, oh, we went on an adventure, and we were exploring some radioactive factory, and then, like, our... On fire Yeti died. Our bear died. Our on fire bear finally burned to death. <laughs> and then we got to town and what do you know? There happened to be a mind breaking feline there. And, and we he was like, bored. Come on, buddy. And we're like, hey, weird Professor X cat, you want to come join us? And he's like, meow. <laughs> See? Meow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's an Al Capone cat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Al Capone decided to show up and be like, Meow, see? Meow. I'm joining this little gang, meow. I'm taking over this outfit. Meow. <laughs> oh, cripes. Okay, that so... the worst joke I think we've ever done. Al Catpone? <laughs> yes, Al Catpone hurt me in my soul for saying it. <laughs> I, uh, man, <laughs> I, I already apologized at the beginning of this podcast, and now I feel bad because i got to do it again. I am glad that you said Al Cap- at Catpone first. <laughs> I can't even get out through it. <laughs> Alright, so that's the basics of how you roll up a character. Then you pick a couple of skills, you get hit points, you, you have a static set of hit points, and then you get five hit points every time you level up. Yeah. Easy it's, enough. You have a bloodied value, it's half your hit points. Yeah, The uh, this game is... 4th edition was already a streamlined version of D&D. And like, it maybe it, didn't... Yeah. yeah, it took that and it went, all right, we're going to cut out a lot of the weird, dumb choices you'd make. We're going to give you a few every level, but it's just pick this, pick that. You don't need to worry about a lot of the trap options outside of some of the feats. And this just went, look, fuck it. We got rid of feats. We made it so that every level you get a specific thing and we don't care. You're just getting this. 
play the game. Yeah, well, that's the nice thing about being a box set is it feels like the limited uh, nature of it is actually a benefit. No, it's a I good know, thing. I know there are people out there who are going to look at something like, oh, I have to roll up a random thing and I can't make whatever character I had in my mind at the start. Oh, well, that's garbage because... I wanted to play my cool trench coat elf, and now I can't play that? Aww. I always play the same guy. Yeah. Well, the people who... And I mean, not to make fun of the people who have a character in mind. I mean, the guy who plays the same character every time. Yes, I'll make fun of you. Yeah, absolutely will. No, 100%. If you're playing the exact same barbarian in every game you play across systems, stop it. No one likes him. Stop it. Yeah, no one thinks he's cool. No one's excited to see him come back. Yeah, everyone's like, oh man, sweet. We're no longer playing D&D. We're going to play a cool spy game. All right, well, I've made a spy who is Austrian and burly and has an axe and knows about nature. And you're like, oh my god, quit bringing your fucking Conan character with you. Okay, well then I'll run the game. You guys meet your party leader, a barbarian. (laughs) So you guys are in the hideout where your uh, rival spies were creating an item and then it explodes and you get sent to D&D World and now there's a barbarian there. Eat my dick. (laughs) You're going all John Wick on this. (laughs) Yes, I will go John Wick on you. Do not make (laughs) me wick you. What, you want to play Gamma World? Okay, we're playing Gamma World. You guys wake up on Gamma Terra and then Shadowrun. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, because Gamma World has a shifting reality, uh, you shift into the game I wanted to play. So there we go. What do you know? It's L5R. Scorpion ninjas are the best ninjas and you can't be them. (laughs) John Wick. John Wick, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) All right, so let's get to the weirdest thing about this game. Uh... The innovative card-based elements. Yeah, it's, again, one of those things where I can definitely see it being a positive for some people and a negative for others. Well, it certainly is a negative for people who are collecting the game now. Yes, it is 100% real bad if you are trying to play the way they wanted you with actual cards instead of just using a computer program. Yeah, so here's the thing. This game shipped, the box came with a couple of booster packs and about 20 cards that were base. You always got those same 20 cards and then a couple of random booster packs. Because this game used random booster packs. There were bright green packs of cards that they sold in nerd stores for a brief time in the mid-2000s. Oh, thanks, Wizards of the Coast. Yeah. Mm. It's a Wizards of the Coast thing. They were definitely trying to, you know, utilize the fact that they own a massive card-generating engine. Yeah, they were like, you know what doesn't sell a lot of money compared to everything else we make? D&D. You know what sells a shitload of money? is magic. Let's just turn D&D into magic. At this point, they've decided to not even try to do that. Instead, just treat D&D as a rounding error on their on their magic like <laughs> money intake machine. They're just like, oh, oh, we accidentally... What we did was we cut off every time we sold some magic cards it cost a fraction of a cent. We just took that fraction of a cent and we used it to we make... We put it into an account. account. And that account runs D&D. That's what it is. D&D is office space now. <laughs> D&D is Superman 3. <laughs> Superman 3. So, Every time I open a D&D book, I get sucked into it and turn into a weird cyborg. Oh, that is the scariest thing in the world. <laughs> I mean, if you think about movies that ha- that aren't supposed to be scary movies that have a scary moment in them... Yeah. Superman 3, which is just a boring... Like, uh, vehicle for, what's his name? Uh, Pryor. Pry- Richard Pryor. Yeah, it's a, it's a Richard Pryor vehicle. Superman's barely in it. It's mostly just Pat, or, or Richard Pryor snowboarding down the sides of buildings and giving the Patton speech. And then, for some reason, there's a scene where a woman, against her will, gets forcibly turned into a cyborg. 
Yep. A mindless rocket firing cyborg. Yep. And she's like screaming and terrified the whole time. It's it's horrifying, and it's in the middle of this goofball movie. I love the fact that they just threw in some weird body horror in there. I'm it's, like, oh man, good job. It's because it's canon films. It's Golan Globus shit, and th- those guys were like, like, oh, uh, we got to put everything in every movie. Put a sexy girl in there. Put in some unusual horror. Yeah, put in some dancing girls. Dancing girls. <laughs> <sighs> God. Okay, so so yeah. there's cards. There are two kinds. They are alpha mutations and omega tech. And because every character you play in this game is a mutant, uh, that means that alpha mutations are just weird mutations that are currently affecting you. Yeah. Now, uh, the way that that works is the alpha mutations, you will actually have a personal deck that you make of ones that you like uh, that you can try and suit towards your character. So it might be like, oh, I rolled up uh, two different races, but they both use dark. I'm going to make up my deck of alpha mutations is going to be mostly dark-based powers. Yes. Uh, you can do that, or you can just find ones that you're like, oh, I think these are super cool, I'll use those, whatever. You get a deck of at least seven cards, uh, can be more. You can only have one duplicate in there, so you can only have two of the same card once. Yep. And after that, you have your deck there, and sometimes you'll be able to draw from yours, sometimes you'll have to draw from the DM's deck. Yeah, and then there will be events called Alpha Fluxes that will cause you to discard the current Alpha Mutation you have in play and draw another one instead. And this isn't so much like, oh, I randomly mutated, like, bodily into something even all the time. Because of Gamma Terra's weird shifting dimensional things, it's, oh, your, like, body overlaps with a universe where you happened to have X. So it's... Oh, maybe I got something like laser vision. Like, okay, great. I randomly have a point where my body occupies the same point in space-time in another dimension where a version of me that has laser vision is, and I get to use that laser vision. Yeah. Neat. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. There are several, there are lots and lots of these. There's something like 300 total cards that they were produ- they produced for this, split evenly between the Omega Tech and the Alpha Mutations. Uh, with alpha mutations, like John was saying, you have one in play from levels like one to four, and then you have two in play. They are all encounter powers. You can use them once. Yep. Uh, and then there is an effect you can use with alpha mutations called overcharging. Now, overcharging is you roll a d20 when you use the power, and if you roll a 10 or higher, the power has some crazy altered effect. It gets even more dangerous, uh, it, it, and it is better. If you roll a nine or below, you lose the power. Yeah. So, so that that's it. Yeah, that's it. Although there are bonuses to overcharge checks for certain classes. So, for example, like, androids get a plus two bonus to dark overcharge. Yeah, so that's what those original power types, the dark, psi, and bio, is mostly just your alpha mutation. Like, it's not really going to do a lot, and it doesn't make it inherently better. So, even if I have two different classes that both used dark, and I had, like, a plus four to my overcharge or whatever, it doesn't mean that a... Uh, bio-based alpha mutation is going to somehow be bad for me. No, it will not. It'll still do just fine. In fact, you don't, since you don't need to overcharge when you use your powers, you can just uh, use your power and still get a cool effect. So these are basically, since your character has a total of six powers baked into who he is, this is the way to get more variety and more action happening in the game. Yeah. Now, you have a deck and the DM has a deck for the alpha mutations. However, for Omega Tech which is just 
Uh, there are three general types. You get Area 52, which, which is, is alien, alien tech. Yeah. Uh, you've got the Ishtar, which is a weird uh, other dimensional group where humans made a bunch of tech. It's like Atlantis-type stuff, as compared to Z, which is the last one, which is like Super Nippon of the Future-type stuff. Yeah, and it's X-I, but it's pronounced Z, and it's uh, just three different types of tech you can get. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of different flavors. But only the DM has that deck. You don't get to decide what type of things you'll scavenge. Yes. Although scavenging is a thing you do, you can do with some Omega tech. Because the game is post-apocalyptic, there is scavenging as a constant mechanic you can do. You can always try and scavenge after fights. Most of the time you get to roll on a big table of random pre-apocalypse junk, which is fun. But every once in a while, especially when you beat bosses or people who happen to be carrying powerful equipment themselves, you can pull a card from the DM's Omega Tech deck, which gives you a cool new power. Most of these are one use. Yeah, so you might get... Oh, I got a cool ray gun. Thing is, it only has enough charge left in it to shoot once. Yes. Now, if it has a uh, scavenge or salvage ability... Salvage, yeah. Salvage. You can try to roll to keep the weapon, but it'll go at a lesser effect. So when I first shoot my ray gun, it might do a shitload of damage and set someone on fire and be super badass. However, if I manage to salvage this... I'm going to be using some weird, non-appropriate power source or whatever, so I get to keep it, but now it isn't as amazing, but it's still a cool thing. So it's like turning my longsword into a longsword plus one. Yeah. No, uh, there's an example right here. There's a, a, a shield generator, just like when Captain America used to carry that waist, that, that wristband that turned into a shield instead of just carrying a shield. Remember that? Like... He was, uh, do you kid, remember kids? Kids, do you remember? I think that happened literally like two years ago, for the most part, where he had a glowing invisible, like a like an energy shield instead of just his cool shield. So, you can have that. The shield generator creates a field of virtual matter that deflects attacks away from you. Uh, power, encounter, immediate reaction, melee one, trigger, an enemy misses you with a melee attack or ranged attack. Target, one creature adja- adjacent to you, other than the triggering enemy. Effect, the triggering enemy re-rolls the attack against the target. But it's got salvage two, so your character can a second level character because salvage two means salvage second level can salvage this hollow shield. It becomes a shield with a plus one shield bonus to AC and a plus two shield bonus to reflex. You start each encounter with five temporary hit points. A normal shield in this game is just a what plus one shield bonus to AC. So this is a nice thing. It's a good bonus to oh, get. Yeah. It's, it's like it's getting a magic shield. It's getting a cool magic shield. You can fail that attempt to salvage. If you do, you can never try it again. Yeah. If you do fail a salvage attempt, you just ruin whatever you were trying to fix. One of my favorites is that one of the items you can pull in a Megotech is a tank. <laughs> and if you get them, if you succeed, it's a six level salvage, so it's hard to do. And if you can succeed at salvaging the mini tank, you get the tank, but the gun falls off. Ah. Uh, so now you just have a vehicle you can drive around in. Okay. Yeah, it's not terrible. It's yeah. kind of fun. Now, the way, uh, equipment works in this game is once again, They've taken the idea of everything and streamlined it way down. So, instead of like, I have plate mail and banded mail and ring mail and leather armor and studded leather armor. No, you have heavy or light. Uh Uh-huh, and it's real easy to choose. Is your intelligence or dexterity bonus plus four? Then you should take the light armor. Is it lower than plus four? Then you should take the heavy armor. Done. Because light armor is plus three and you can use your dex or int bonus. Heavy armor is plus seven, but you're minus one speed. That's it. And if you want, you can use a shield, plus one to AC, but it takes up one of your hands. Yep. Because all the weapons have also been streamlined into one-handed weapon, two-handed weapon, 
one-handed, and those are then split into light or heavy. So you can have one- and two-handed light weapons, and one- and two-handed heavy weapons, and that's for both ranged and melee. Right. And uh, then there are, yeah, including guns, the only difference between guns and those is that they have range and they use ammo. Yeah, no, well, some use ammo. That's right. Some do use ammo, some don't. Let me let me briefly talk about the ammo power in this game, because it is the coolest thing in role-playing games. Yep. Okay, the ammo, the way ammo works in Gamma World is, if you shoot your gun once during an encounter, then you are being careful with your ammo, and you have ammo at the end of the fight. Yeah, because ammo is binary. Yes, if you shoot your gun twice or more during an encounter, then you might as well shoot every turn because you are not being careful with ammo and you will be out of ammo at the end of the turn of the fight. Yeah. And because ammo is binary, either you have ammo or you don't have ammo, it also means if I go into an encounter and I shoot twice, I'm going to be out of ammo, so I may as well shoot as much as possible because the second you shoot more than once, you're going to be out at the end of the encounter. But it also means... Someone can't lend you ammo. If someone has ammo and they give it to you, they are out of ammo and you have ammo. That's it. Yeah. Ammo there is... are no ammo types. Nope. It's just ammo. It just works. Don't worry about it. Everything else is jury-rigged. Why shouldn't this be? The example of a heavy two-handed weapon in this game is a stop sign. Yeah. They're like, oh, whatever you want to use. They also have a giant TV as a two-handed melee weapon. Yeah, just swing a big TV at people. Don't worry about it. It's not like it's going to get magical. If you have one that has some kind of cool bonus, it's probably Omega Tech. So that means that you're very free in this game to describe your weapons as whatever the hell you want. Yeah, Your armor is whatever you want. Again, this game is much more for the people that want to skin things. Yeah. When you're rolling your two classes and you get to combine them in weird ways, you get to skin it however you want to make those work. When you get your heavy armor, or your light armor, or your heavy two-handed weapon, or your light gun with one hand, you can make it whatever you want it to be to fit that. So whatever you had in mind, even though you can't, say, specifically pick the type of character you are, so if I was like, oh, I had a really cool idea for a, uh, like, empath android who could tell what other people were feeling but could never feel it himself... But then I don't roll that. I go, oh, I'm sad. But I can still flavor things however I want to for yeah. what I rolled. Oh, yeah. You can you can play as a robot who collapsed in the jungle and uh, ran out of power and then was taken over by vines and is now a plant robot. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Just whatever you're, you're going to see in the bonus content, the, those of you who are subscribers, uh, that you can just take whatever you want and make characters out of it. It's really fun. Yeah, that's the biggest amount of... Uh, enjoyment for me in this game is reskinning is deciding oh i have a uh, i have a shield what should that be all right well i have a monster truck tire that i cut in half and that i use as a shield okay great yeah that's it doesn't matter what's your armor made out of uh it's a bunch of phone books i'm hanging off myself with rope yeah, and uh, depending sure. on what type of phone book it is, it'll either be heavy or light. <laughs> well, it's it's Kevlar phone books. There you go. So <laughs> those useful Kevlar phone books. Dem Kevlar phone books. There was some dimension where they printed phone books on Kevlar. I'm sure. Absolutely. I don't see why not. <laughs> All right. So one last thing that's in this book. Actually, there's two more things in this book because each one of these little tiny books that make up this game also come with a monster manual baked right into there and an adventure. Yep, so this has a bunch of monsters in there, which are mostly just weird mutant things. 
Uh, stuff you'd find in your standard uh, post-apocalypse game. So you'd have like, what do you have? Mutant badgers. You have robots, land, land sharks, and robots, and weird bugs and stuff like that. And yeah. then you get a few more unique things. Uh, you've got like the weird one for me is the uh, there's a giant mosquito that doesn't fly that just walks around like a dog. And still wants to drink your blood, though. I think that's the soul besh. Or and is... That thing is rad. I love it. Yeah. So there's a whole bunch of really cool monsters. They get weird names. There's there's uh, badgers. There's there's rabbit and pigmen. One thing you'll notice is that even though this is sort of a D and D offshoot, you don't get orcs and so on. But these are just close enough to fourth edition D and D that you can basically, especially if you use the third the third monster manual from from fourth edition D and D. You can just take monsters from that and have your players fight it, and it's not a big deal. It's just close enough. The first two monster manuals are going to be too many hit points and don't do enough damage. They won't make for fun encounters. But stuff from the third one will be perfect. So you basically have an infinite supply, or a, a huge supply of monsters as needed. Yeah, and uh, you could go online and just look up what stats a certain type of monster should have. You can make it real easy. So... Say you had an idea, you go through this book and you go, alright, as much as I love the idea of burrowing land sharks and uh, weird mutant uh, flying flies, barracuda, a fucking manticore that shoots laser beams from its eyes, as much as I love all of that, I had an idea for fill in the blank, whatever. You're like, oh, I want to make them play in a Fallout world, so I, I want to make them fight a Deathclaw. Yeah. Okay, well, you can figure out what... Uh, type of thing you want to do. So you're like, oh, it's a regular Deathclaw. It'll be a soldier type, because each monster has a type. And uh, it'll be a fourth level. Okay. It will have these stats. It will do this much damage. You can come up with a few encounter powers. Those powers will do this much damage. Great. That's it. Yeah, it's pretty easy. And then there's a little adventure at the back of the book where you have to stop some uh, some badger men who have a factory that generates robots, I think. It's been a while since I read the adventure in this one. Yeah, so the the batters are the mutant badgers, yeah. and the batters are making weird robots, and you have to go in and stop them. Yep. And it's only, like, six or seven rooms, so you just go through, there's encounters, and again, there's a, just a very streamlined feel to this. Like, yeah. everything is just, oh, you go into a room, here's what's in there. There you go. Here's a map of it. Well, you know, one of the things that people always say, or at least people by by which I mean you and me, always say is that 4th edition made great board games. Oh, yeah. Those like Wrath of Ash Cardalon and Castle Ravenloft board games using the 4th edition rules, those were fantastic. Mm-hmm. And so 4th edition itself is pretty close to being a pretty good board game. And this game is even closer. Yeah. With the further streamlining of everything, you can get to the point where you're like, oh, I just set up a factory as a board and let my players go through it, and that's basically it. I'm playing a board game in character. And it's hard to come up with a game where it's easier to do that, because I own the Gamma World basic box set and a couple of the, the two expansions for it, and uh, each one of them comes with this great book with a bunch of new monsters in it and more adventure stuff, more powers, more things to roll to start as. Uh, you can also, In addition to this book, you can have things like a, an octopus for a head and, and uh, you know uh, someone who regenerates so fast that their utility power is to throw their hand at a target for a turn. Huh, huh. Uh, so there's all this cool stuff you can do. But they also come with full printout maps with the squares printed on them. So you can use those for a variety of encounters. Uh, punch out cardboard tokens for all of the monsters and new character classes in the book. And more of those those uh, collectible cards. So you end up with a, a 
each one of these boxes that they sold were great value. They come with basically enough stuff to run a really good adventure. Yeah, and that's probably one of the uh, more interesting things about it being a box set rather than just a book is it let them do things like, oh, well, we know you'll need these tiles to run the adventure in there, so here's a bunch of tiles and here's all the tokens for all the monsters in there, but it still costs you the same as if you had just gotten, like, an RPG main book. Oh yeah, the core book, the core Gamma World box set. When I bought it, was I think it was forty bucks. Yeah, so it's less than the core D and D fifth edition main book. It is like twenty bucks less than that as a box set that comes with a bunch of shit. Yeah, and you can still find them online for super cheap. So if you believe us, if you if we've if we've told you anything before, you this will be the like the fourth game we've liked out of like sixty five of them. Yeah. So it's easy to go get. The only thing, and it's going to come right up as my least favorite thing about this game, is that it's very hard to come up with those collectible cards now. Huh, huh, huh. So we're at fifty two. Why don't we talk about our favorite and least favorite things? Okay. So John, what would you say is your favorite thing about Gamma World Seventh Edition? Now I've already gone on at length about how much I love the idea of the background for this, but. One of the things that struck me in this game that I loved was the small advice sections in this. Mm -hmm. And usually you find those in a lot of games, but this one had like four sentences per per time they were going to do something, and every one of them were great. It was just like, hey, uh... You should probably let your players do whatever they want to do when they're, like, in their character, but still have the adventure. Go along the certain way, and don't make a world that's too open, because too many options will make it so that players don't know what they're supposed to do, but don't railroad them. Like, it had a lot of, like, one-sentence advice column things in there that were really good. Also, a decent sense of humor in here. So, I think, I'll say that's my favorite thing. You want to take that as your favorite? Sure. This book's... We've we've made fun of games before that try to be comedy role playing games. Yeah, yeah, I especially am super critical of any time a comedy RPG comes out because ninety nine percent of the time it's it's time to be as wacky as possible at all times, even when I'm telling you the rules. It's just like a Mad Magazine that goes on too long. Yeah, it's oh, I'm reading a Mad Magazine that is 257 pages. And I have to keep reading it over and over again because I'm going to play it. Yeah, I have to reference earlier sections of this Mad Magazine in order to understand the spy versus spy that I'm currently reading. <laughs> Man, if only... Okay, hang on, I gotta reopen the page that's the lighter side of hippies. <laughs> Wait a minute, I need to I need to check the Black Men <laughs> comic so I understand what's going on with well, this. I don't think you're allowed to turn a card at 90 degree angle. Oh no, I am. You have to check those Sergio Aragones doodles in the margins. It's <laughs> it's a doodle margin thing. You can find it though. It's that it's in there. <laughs> no. So this book actually has a pretty decent sense of humor because it keeps it to the descriptions and occasionally the names of powers, and that's about it. It doesn't not everything is a joke. It doesn't use natural language when it's describing the way that things work. You know, things are like, oh, this does X damage to Y targets, and it uses Z squares to do that. So it's very simple there. But then they'll fit in the puns and the little jokes around that. So you get that sense of, oh, this is sort of a comedy post-apocalypse, but it isn't forced on you. You don't have to constantly say things when you're using it. Your your weapon swing is a melee attack. It's not a swing, sharp, nasty, pointy thing attack. Yeah, it... Like, you get the comedy when it's talking about the setting, or when it describes something but not the rules, which is perfect, 
And even then, even when it's describing the setting, it doesn't go like human-occupied landfill levels of I need to be in character at all times trying to make literally every description of anything a joke. No, it's just, okay, this is what's happening, this is what's going on, here's a few little goofy things that I'll say so you can understand that the game is meant to be lighthearted and fun, but it doesn't force this on you as like, oh yeah, at all times you must be humorous, there must be laughter forever, always be joking. <laughs> a, B, J. Yeah. What would you say is your least favorite thing about a game that we have probably been gushing about a little heavy? Okay, so the the one thing in this game that I... I'm not huge on, honestly, was the monster section of this. They have doofy names. I'll say, I'll say that off the top of my head. Yeah, one, the names are incomprehensible and you'll never remember them. Like, there are maybe three that you'll get because you're like, oh, batters, because it's just badgers. Okay, I can remember that. Yeah. Uh, alright, there's the, uh, the exterminator because it's a giant robot. Okay, yeah. I can remember that. But, but when it comes down to like, alright, What's the name of the weird insect that's basically a dragonfly that shoots paralytic poison? Uh, is it a, a, ba- a bash? Like yeah, B-A-A-S-H? It's a, it's a, I think it's a blash with an L in there, too. Yeah, yeah. I have no idea, because most of the names are just garbage. But even then, there's not a great spread. You have to do a lot of work, because it'll give you, like, a bunch of level 1 or 2 type monsters... But then it'll give you, like, here's one level 5, here's a level 6, yeah. here's one level 10. The level the two-headed giant in the first book is that. And it's got, again, it has a name, I don't even remember what it is. Yeah, it's, so it gives you a few things, so it's like, alright, there's a level 10 uh, solo. That's the only level 10 in there, and it's the giant exterminator bot. Yeah. Okay, great. And we only reviewed the core box set for this, the big green core box set. But I can confirm, because I have the other ones, that the other monster manuals are for middle and then high-level characters. So you end up with a bunch more, like, level 6, all the way up through level 13 solos. Yes, because the the original box in this is not great, because eventually you're like, okay, well, I had you fight a couple of the things that, you know, exist at level 1 or 2. But if you get to, say, level 5, there's, like, two options for things to fight. And as soon as you fought them, you're like... All right, is every encounter going to be these? Yes, yeah. obviously. Oh, it sure is. But it's okay, because it, the, the expansions do actually fix that. Yeah, but that. we're not reviewing the expansions, I know. So, so I don't care. You're right. So this this book has a clear failing there. Yes, you're that is the right. biggest problem with this, is it doesn't allow you to, straight out the box, really run things well. No, that's definitely true. There aren't enough monsters. They're probably It only comes with two maps, so there probably aren't enough maps. Yeah, so, I mean, you, you're, you're essentially going to use the same tiles over and over to represent different things. That is true. So there you go. That's going to be my least favorite. Okay. When yours? Uh, Well, we've talked about it a couple of times. This game shipped with collectible cards sold in eight-card booster packs. Uh, They were on store shelves briefly in the 2000s, are long gone, and are hard to find online unopened now. Uh, You can find them for like seven to eight bucks a pack sometimes. Sometimes. And that's not a good deal for eight cards. Now... That means that you, it's difficult for you to to have a game where you like draft and you and where you do some sort of uh, pregame where you're all kind of trading cards and you just bought a pack to build your character decks. Uh, but it isn't hard to find out what the cards were and what they do. All you have to do is go online and search for like Gamma World Master Card List, and you'll see the whole list of every card and what they do. 
Yeah. And it's it, it, right down to the point where you can even see things that'll te- show you what you need to roll on percentile dice to get the equivalent rarity stats of the cards. But you're losing some of that tactile sensation that the game is supposed to have. And the other problem I have with the cards is, even baseline, if they were still selling these packs in stores and you could still get them and they were $2 a piece, who gives a shit? I'd still look at them and go, the problem is you have a rarity in there. Why isn't it an LCG thing? That's the answer. You should be able to buy just a pack of like, here's 40 cards, it's the same cards every time you buy that pack, and if you needed them, now you have them, great. Even if you wanted to make them expansions to the game, you just sell them in three different expansion sets based on the uh, three types of power for the alpha mutation. So you've got a bio deck and a a dark deck that you buy, and it's got all the dark cards in it. And then you do the same thing for the tech decks. Yeah. And you get you get your six things that are for sale, you bring in more money from your people, you don't make them buy forever because of randomness. I understand that that works for magic, but this isn't magic. No, this is... RPG players are not the type who are like, oh yeah, I'm really looking for microtransactions in my game. Because the RPG players are, I'm playing the same game I've been playing for the past 20 years because I already own everything for it. Yeah. So this was a neat idea, and it could have been fixed if they had gone LCG instead of CCG. Yeah, it would have made it much easier to just get everything and go if you really wanted to drop the money on it. Yeah. Because otherwise, you look at the packs and you go, oh, wait a minute, I have to buy a bunch of packs? Maybe you get, like, a couple of packs out of some nerd, and then he goes, oh, wait a minute, this is garbage. Why don't I just figure out what all the cards are online? Here we go. Done. Yeah, and that's what you're going to want to do if you want to play this game today. Yeah. You can literally Google Gamma World MasterCard list, and you'll find a big old Excel spreadsheet that's every single one of the cards. So you're fine to play it that way. If it feels unfair that your characters can just all take all the rare cards, don't worry about it, because the rare cards aren't really that much more powerful than the common cards in this game. They're just weirder, and uh, it, it just doesn't matter. The monsters in this game are remarkably dangerous. Yes. So, if everyone's got all rare cards all the time, it's fine. You'll right. be fine. Yeah, so there you go. So there you go. Best and least thing. John, would you play Gamma World 7th Edition? I would play it right now. I'm sad we're not playing I've been trying for a couple of weeks to get this going. I've been saying, John, let's do a Gamma World campaign. Before we even read the book, I was like, I just got all, I got the, the last expansion I needed. I want to play this. John, let's play this. And, you know, we're busy, but this might be the next thing we play. Like, for real. It might yeah. just be it. Because this is fun, and I feel like this is the sort of thing we could trek down to the nerd store without ha- telling everybody we're doing a whole campaign and just be like, guys, we're running a one-off Gamma World adventure tonight because it takes, like, two minutes to make a character. Hey, guys, roll a d20 twice, twice and tell me what you get. Okay, great. Go to town. That's what you are. Have fun. Here's all the tokens and maps and everything. It's awesome. So, there you go. Uh, I would also play this, of course. Obviously. Yeah. So, there you go. That has been Gamma World 7th Edition. Sorry if we came off a little uh, infomercially, but no, seriously, go buy this game. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> this review, no jokes, just love. Yeah. I mean, there's some jokes. Yeah. Couple of... Yeah. Couple I of got some. a big joke sitting right next to me. <laughs> uh, you big, dumb, farty idiot. <laughs> we got them all out of the way when I was trying to eat a half an onion at lunch today. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yes. <laughs> For all of these wonderful stories and more, join us on social media where we don't tell you it. <laughs> Come on, we'll tweet about the half of an onion you bit into and then drank some strawberry kiwi juice, which was mostly just flavor blasted with onion. Oh yeah, it was onioned up real good. Real good. There was a lot of onion in that strawberry kiwi. It was more like an onion strawberry kiwi. Or an osk, as I believe it's known in the stores. (laughs) 
Yes, be sure to ask for it by name. <laughs> Oomba! Alright, so this has been the System Mastery Podcast. You can find us at SystemMasteryPodcast.com or on the various social media channels, including Facebook, Gmail, or Twitter, at which we are all System Mastery. We're also on Reddit as System Mastery, so if you see us there, say hi. Uh, otherwise, you can follow us on Patreon, support us there at any amount, and you get our bonus content, which is an episode that comes out right after every one of these System Mastery episodes, where we make characters in the game we just reviewed. So uh, in a couple of minutes, we're going to start making up some uh, Gamma World characters. So, any amount gets you that bonus content, and then there are other levels you can unlock. Just go look at the Patreon to see what they are. We also have our Afterthought podcast. That's the discussion podcast. You'll see one next week. That's where we don't review a game, and instead we answer dumb listener questions. Send us your dumb listener questions. Please. Please do it. Also, if you uh, if you really want to get in there, we've got the Movie Mastery podcast we review old dumb movies, but only ones that you want us to review. Yeah, we don't choose what movies we review. The dice decide based on the movies you recommend that we put in a big table. And then we get tortured for about an hour and a half, and then we come tell you about what happened to us. Mostly it's descriptions of the cell phone video game we played instead. <laughs> Space team! <laughs> uh, so thank you so much for listening to Gamma World. Go get it. Seriously. It's not that often we make recommendations. Yeah, this is one. Yep. And have a great week. (laughs) 